Hi, my name is Peter Dale. This is Ana Carolina Pereira. Hey, this is Lauren. And you're listening to the Bogota Writers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast, new short fiction from the capital of Colombia. I'm your host, Delaney Turner. On today's episode, Peter Dale reads his story, Life Leaves. Peter was born, raised, and educated in the UK, but has been living in Latin America, mainly Colombia, for the past 25 years. His past and present influences writing, which draws on the best and sometimes the worst of both worlds. He believes that he has the advantage of being a semi-observer wherever he is. And now, life leaves. So Merced, aren't you going to have any breakfast? Mom, I had some oatmeal, I'm okay. Don't think of buying a rep on the street, mamita. You never know how they make them. Juanita thinks of her mum. She had been sad when she left, because Juanita hadn't wanted to take the usual lunchbox. Mom, I've got an interview. I can't get there smelling of chicken and rice. Her mother saw her off, as if she were going on a long trip. All that talk about the job, about speaking English, the multinational company, had frightened her. Juanita had pretended not to see a tear that had formed on her mother's cheek, but she pictured it now, a single drop on that dry, worn Boyaca face, a statement of things unsaid. She is now on the Transmillennia platform, jostled by the early morning commuters. What was going on behind those taut and concentrated faces? What were they thinking? For a moment she was overwhelmed, not so much by the physical crush, but by the imagined cacophony of all their thoughts given sound just like her own thoughts at this moment, which were at the same time with her mother, her job interview, and with her transmillennial strategy. The strategy has worked again. She has edged without pushing towards the transmillennial door, letting buses go by if necessary, in order to be amongst the first on board. She now has a red window seat, where the bright morning sun shines on her, as the bus hurtles past the stationary traffic on the autopista. She smiles. In a big city, you've got to value small triumphs. The block of standing passengers sways as the bus breaks and swerves to avoid a hole. Perfumes, wet hair and earphone music all merging together. The girl next to her pouts her lips and smiles into a miniature makeup mirror. Who is she preparing her face for? Her boss? Her colleagues? Or just for herself? Juanita didn't need any preparation. She's early. She has taken a day off work and is ready for her interview. She had inherited her father's white skin rather than her mother's indigenous looks. She had got her height from him too, while her tenacity comes from her mum. Wearing today's almost new business suit and shoes, she looks like a sophisticated young executive. She would stand out against the other candidates. She would get the job. They're not sacrifices, they're choices. She chose to do all the homework she was given when it was easier to do nothing. She chose not to leap into the arms of the first guy in the neighbourhood who smiled at her. She chose to study at night when she was tired and money was tight after her father left. She looked after herself while her school friends got pregnant and sometimes married. At Erwis, the sun disappears abruptly, like a light being switched off. A single fat drop of rain lands on the window next to her and pauses for a moment before slipping down. She has time to think about the umbrella in her bag before moments later the real rain comes copiously, crashing onto the roof and thrashing through the open windows that the passengers hurry to close. The window wipers are now struggling to cope and the bus slows down. By the time she reaches her stop, 
the water is a foot deep and the exit a chaos of umbrellas. Camilo Aparicio stops at the door of the young American's office. How's it going, Tom? So, so, boss. Have you already seen all the candidates? I'm seeing the last ones today, I hope. Good luck. In theory, Tom was the perfect candidate to look through the candidates. As a foreigner, he was supposed not to have the typical Colombian prejudices. In a recent selection process, they had found out that the only people who were called for an interview were graduates from Los Andes and Javeriana universities. Or sometimes it would be the son of a friend from the club who would be selected. The company had decided that more objectivity was needed. So who better than an interviewer who neither knew which were the best schools in Bogota nor recognised the surnames of the traditional elite? What's more, the addresses of the best neighbourhoods didn't mean anything to him. Did the candidates speak good English? How was the human resources director expected to know that if all she could say was good morning? Tom would also have to work with the new executive. They would have to travel together throughout Colombia and the region. So he would have to make the right decision. But Tom wasn't so sure. He felt less like the perfect executive they had described and more like the fool who had accepted the thankless task of going through the hundreds of CVs that were now littering his desk, defying the company's ecological policies. Hojas de vida, they called them in Spanish. Leaves of life or life leaves. He imagined these leaves falling from a huge tree of life, floating through the air until they drifted through his office's open window and landed on his desk. He was reminded of a friend in Boston who had taken a college job as a street cleaner. I hate the fall, he had said, sweeping up an endless fall of red, burgundy and golden leaves, while everyone else marvelled at the exuberant colours painted on the city's trees. All these people had fallen on Tom's desk, and they were now bothering him, just like the leaves that had tormented his friend. But for Tom, it wasn't just a matter of sweeping them into the bin. He had to look through each of them, first to detect excuses for rejection, green or red ink, capital letters or exclamation marks, anyone born before 1980, and on a lesser scale, to find sparks of intelligence, experience and potential that might make them possible candidates. I'll take you. But mum, it's five o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. You don't know where it is and you don't know how to get there or if there's any parking. I don't mind, honey. Today could be a very important day for your future. I want you to get there feeling relaxed. Okay, but let me get some breakfast first. Right then, pal, I'm going to get a shower. The Rosales neighbourhood had many advantages, its location, its views, and its rapid increase in value. But at this early hour, Maria Paola wasn't appreciating them much. The apartment was freezing and he couldn't see anything outside in the half-light. The new maid had forgotten to buy eggs, and in this area there were no corner shops, especially at this time of day. Her sister Camila, still happily asleep, had finished what was left of the cereal last night, so now she had to eat arepa. The maid, she didn't know her name yet, was there preparing more coffee, because what she'd made had been too strong, and her presence bothered Paola. Here's your coffee, Miss Paola. The maid left the cup on the table, spilling a good part of the coffee on the saucer. 
She must be nervous. I haven't got time now, and this arepa tastes funny. It needs more butter or salt or something. Half an hour later, the two women are ready to leave. Kosefa will be back later. Their heels tick-tock their way down the marble floor corridor to the lift. Inside, they look at themselves in the mirror. The two of them are very attractive in different ways. The daughter in her fashionable executive suit, the mother in the sleek trousers bought on a New York shopping trip. You look lovely, Maria Pal. You too, Mum. How could there be so much traffic at this time? The jeep is crawling along the Sikumbala road. Maria Paola starts to get worried about the time. The two women argue over whether it's better to carry on this road or take an alternate route, and the windows steam up with the heat of the conversation on this cold morning. Will they arrive on time? Mom, that's freezing. How do you expect me to drive without the air conditioning on? Don't forget, I need that room at 10 a.m. It's Camilo again, smiling but firm. Don't worry, I'll be finished, says Tom, and he means it. He's exhausted by it all, not just by how time-consuming it was, but also by the stress of having to decide on someone's future. And we need a full recommendation for tomorrow. Yes, boss. He is now in what he describes to himself as the interrogation room for the last two interviews at 8.30 and 9 a.m. Tom had organised the sheets, but now has the lives in front of him the sparks of interesting facts highlighted in yellow. But he reflects that there was another big mistake in the decision to put him in charge of the selection process for the senior executive. He had no idea how to interview people. Tom didn't know what was important and what wasn't. Could he ask about books and films and the other things that appeared in the hobby section? Could he ask if they were married or not? And he was very doubtful about the need to interview the candidates in English. According to his experience, on many occasions, the person who was speaking English wasn't the real flesh and blood person, but an actor or imposter. And Tom had the impression that he was watching a series of performances instead of doing a serious observation and analysis of their professional and personal qualities. The truth was that he was by now very tired and bored with the whole process. He's decided that he is going to make the final decision today between the last two candidates. They would be arriving at any time. Or rather, they should have both arrived by now. Tom checks his watch again. 9.30, and the first of the candidates has still not arrived. So odd in this city of early birds. He sips the watery coffee that the trolley lady has just brought him. He straightens the CVs on the table. Juana Maria Garzon and Maria Paula Robayo, the two Marias. How did it go? How did what go, Mum? The interview, Mamita. I'm not even there yet, Mum. I'm still in the station. I'll talk to you later. She had stood waiting at the station for the storm to let up, but it didn't. She was no longer early. She'd had to make a run for it. With a handbag in one hand and the useless umbrella in the other, she jumped puddles, half running in her high heels, and pushed past people who were trying to shelter under trees. Now she sat at a desk in the pre-interview area a sheet of paper in front of her. Her tights were laddered and dirty, her best suit soaked through, and her hair looked like it had come straight out of the shower. Write in no more than 250 words why you should get this job. 
The few words she has written are already smudged by drops, teardrops. Mom, I told you we should have gone the other way. We would have arrived half an hour ago. It would have been just the same or even worse. Look, pal, I'm doing my best. Who'd have thought there'd be an accident and then this thunderstorm? But we're not even moving. We're not going anywhere. And I won't be going anywhere if I don't get to the interview on time. They had left with time to spare, plenty of time, but now all those minutes had gone and they were running late. Two blocks away from her destination, Maria Paula had to leave the jeep and walk trot along a pavement where everyone was wet and angry, she more than anyone else. The two Marias are in the ladies' room together. They look at themselves and each other in the mirror while they try to organise their clothes, their hair and their makeup. They're the same height, the same age, they could have been sisters, but life leaves its little imprints and scars. Juanita knows there's a trace of adolescent acne on her cheek, and Maria Paola is only too aware of a slightly botched surgery to make her nose a little straighter. They both know the difference in the value of the brands they wear and the perfume they apply. This difference is enough to prevent them speaking to each other, but their shifting reflected eyes say everything. Tom now doesn't have time for the two interviews. The only thing he has left is gut feel. Come in. The two women enter the interview room cautiously. They're not sure whether to shake the gringo's hand or just say, good morning. They don't have time to do either before he starts to speak. Well, I see from the photograph here that you must be Juana Maria. He smiles at Juanita. And so you must be Maria Parola. He smiles again. But what I don't know is anything about you both. That's to say anything more than the words that are written on these hojas de vida. He points to the sheets on the table. So this interview is going to be about getting to know the two of you and deciding just who's going to be the better candidate for this job. Juanita and Maria Paula don't say anything. They stare at Tom. Ladies, please take a seat. The two women sit down on the two plastic armless chairs that are in front of him. My name is Tom. I'm what they call here the commercial manager. It's a nice way of saying sales, although whatever your job, teacher, politician, housewife, we're all selling something, knowledge, dreams, promises. And to sell something, you've got to understand who you're selling to. So you've got to put yourself in their shoes. Unconsciously, both women glance down at their shoes and feel their wet, stockinged feet inside them. It wouldn't be very conventional to have two candidates in the same room and ask each of them questions about their lives, their qualities and their expectations, all with the other one present. And a little unfair too. So I'm not gonna do that. What I am gonna do is ask each of you about the other one. That is, I'm gonna ask Juana Maria about Maria Paola's life and Maria Paola about Juana Maria's life. You're going to have to change shoes, metaphorically speaking. The two women look at each other for the first time, discovering shock and panic. To make things a bit easier, I'm going to give each of you the other one's CV, where I've highlighted some points which I think are relevant to the job. Ready? The rain has finally stopped, but the late morning streets are still slate grey, damp and cold. You might say there is a calm after the storm. If it wasn't for this attractive young woman who is shouting into her mobile phone. Pick me up now. 
I don't care if Camilla has got to be taken to her French class. Pick me up now. The woman stamps her foot in a kind of mock tantrum and inadvertently splashes into a puddle that lingers on the uneven pavement. A loose slab gives way under her foot and she slips, her arms stretching out to break a fall and stop her handbag from being scratched. The lady on the arepa stall smiles. You don't need a transmillennial strategy at this time of day. You can watch the less stressed faces in their seats or comfortable standing places, some people even talking. The face that peers out from behind the door is startled because no one comes to the house during the day. If jaws do literally drop, then hers does now. Juanita, what are you doing here? Her mother's confused. She's clearly forgotten all about the interview. She's forgotten that Juanita has taken the day off work. Perhaps she should have called. What are you doing here at this time? You've lost your job, haven't you? They sent you home with all your things. And she starts to think about the money she's got stashed under the bed for emergencies, about cancelling the trip to Medellin to see her sister. Well, yes, Mammy, I suppose I have lost my old job. That was the story Life Leaves by Peter Dale. Now we're going to hear what our esteemed panel of fellow writers thought about it. First up will be Lauren. Hi. So, Peter, I really enjoyed this a lot. It had a couple of classic Peter touchstones. One of them was interweaving the perspectives of different characters, three different characters, around the same event. And also this theme of class that we've seen a lot in your writing. We have Juanita Tom and Maria Paula. And I really enjoy the way that as a reader, we start to see how their stories connect. And we're kind of putting this puzzle together in our minds as we read. One thing I noticed was that after the interview, we saw what happened with Juanita and Maria Paula, but not Tom. So I'm not sure if that was purposeful. For me, the lack of symmetry there bothered me a little bit. At the beginning, it felt like the story was really about the three characters, and then at the end, it was just about the two. And so I was kind of left wanting more, something a little more substantial out of Tom's storyline in the same way that we got something very substantial from Maria Paula and Juanita's storylines. We have the two different mother-daughter pairs getting ready for the same interview. And I found Juanita's story very appealing, her relationship with her mother. I think they're both very likable characters. I think that Maria Paula is, is also likable, but I think we feel a little less, or I felt a little less of a connection to her as a reader. I think the the conflict between Juanita and her mom, where her mom is very worried about her. She had a tear. She wanted her to take the lunchbox. I just thought that was very endearing and very intimate in terms of that portrayal of the mother-daughter relationship. I love that Juanita is thinking about her transmillennial strategy. These details feel very true. And as the reader, they really put you in the shoes of the character. When we look at Tom's interview, here we're getting at this theme of corruption and fighting corruption in terms of the company has 
asked him to take on this role because they're trying to prevent nepotism. But the irony is Tom is terrible at this. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed the complexity of that aspect of the story. He says, we're all selling something. To me, he's very unsure of himself. And that little speech rang a little untrue for me. I didn't know that what Tom did making Juanita and Maria Paula tell each other's stories was totally realistic. I don't know if there's a different way of getting there because I do like it as a plot device. And my interpretation is that, of course, Juanita told Maria Paula's story very effectively and that's why she got the job. It felt a little unrealistic, but I did enjoy this theme of class difference. Thanks. I will take uh, the proverbial conch from here. I would agree with Lauren. There's a lot of typical Peter touches in here. They suggest a, a very deep familiarity with a lot of the rhythms and characteristics of the city and the life in the city, especially the class dynamic, coming up with a strategy for the transmillennial. I do like the line in the big city, you've got to value small triumphs. That's uh, especially in a city like this. I like the character of Tom because he was bored and I think he just tried to make something more interesting you know, how can I make this interesting? Uh, I don't know, put them, pit them against each other and see what happens, which isn't, probably isn't fair, but they do as best they can in that situation. Just other nice little touches like, you know, avoiding the nepotism so Tom wouldn't know which surnames to look at, the best schools. There are a couple of little things that take me out of the story. Just the word sophisticated, I think is a lazy word or find something else to say. I think that's a that's a sort of a shorthand. He was very doubtful. I would just say doubtful. But I love the the double sense of life leaves or, you know, o es de vida, which I think is uh, which is really a really nice touch. I don't know if I would call it a classic Peter story because I don't know if you would want it to be called a classic Peter story. <laughs> but the dynamic between uh, the mother and uh, the daughter each uh, was really, really well done and uh that's what uh essentially that's what i would add to this particular commentary carolina yes i i also uh, love this story by peter i would dare to say that it is a classic uh, peter mm. story definitely this is a story about class and a little bit of uh, entitlement maria paula feels entitled to the job it's, it's what uh, she conveys. And Juanita is someone who has to work in order to get anything. So she has to sacrifice a lot of things. So to me, it was interesting that this character, Tom, who is an outsider and who doesn't understand like the, some clues here that give away what a person's social class is. He doesn't know about that. And to me, that is a very interesting character. Um, he doesn't know and he doesn't care. And I guess that's why, I mean, that's why Juanita got the job. Otherwise, probably not. <laughs> so uh, it, is, uh, it is also about uh, an outsider who, who has no clue about these things that people here pay a lot of attention to. So um, what he does, yeah, he does, he's, he's kind of a game. Uh, he's uh, like, doesn't want to do the conventional thing of, uh, you know, this is the first thing that they ask you when you go to an interview. Tell me about yourself. It's like uh, always the same thing and you prepare for that. The fact that he asked them to do the opposite, tell me about this other person, is, is, uh, is quite interesting. He can do it. I mean, he does it because he can do it. <laughs> so uh, it's like a little gap there. That's how 
job interviews kind of work. They sometimes make you do strange things, you know, ask you strange questions. So that doesn't surprise me. To me, it's interesting that you leave out the part where what they say about each other, you know, it's up to the reader's imagination. After that, there is the conclusion and you know what happens, but you don't know what they say about each other. You kind of know in the scene of the bathroom, to me, is very telling, you know, you see what they are thinking and how they see who the other person is from their point of view. Mm, so, uh, like, I would like to ask uh, Peter, why did he leave at this scene, and why did you prefer the reader to to figure that out? Okay. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, for the the comments. Yeah, to say that, that well, it's a classic. Yeah, there are things that I like, including in the in the short stories and the different points of view is obviously something I use quite often, not always, but it's an interesting way to look at different characters and have more than one protagonist in a story. I think it gives a bigger picture. Living in Bogota, Colombia, the whole class issue, it's around you all the time. I don't feel obliged to write about it, but I naturally want to write about it because it's so evident all the time in people you're seeing, the things are unfair. So this is very central to the story, as you've, as you've picked up. And you want things to be morally satisfying so the Juanita character is the one who should get the job. Um, I mean, stories don't always, fiction doesn't always give you the right uh, end, ending, but it's nice if you're in control of things to, to give it that ending. But you have to cheat. In Colombia, she doesn't get the job. Mm -hmm. So in this fiction, I cheat by putting this guy in charge of things. He's obviously not the normal guy who would be doing it. But there's a kind of logic in what he does in that I wanted to build up a situation so it's credible that he does something that isn't normal. You know, he's got, had 200 CVs to look through. He's, he's not the right... He doesn't know what he should be doing anyway. So why not have this ending where they have to improvise? And it's probably just as good a system as the current one is, where it would be on the, on the surnames and mm -hmm. schools. Juanita is someone who is like an emerging middle class, who, who, who does have chances. There mm -hmm. are people like her who do get jobs. So it's, that's the positive thing about that, that it is happening. It's still you know, it's stacked against them, but there are a lot of people who are, who are making it, and she's one of them. I want to build up this character who she, she rejects all the negative parts of her background that she could slip into and not go anywhere. So she's doing everything she can to get out of that lower-class background, and, and fortunately, she succeeds. It's going to be tough later. She gets the job, and it will still be tough because she will have all these class situations in, in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's not all hunky-dory. To answer Carolina's question about... She didn't really want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> about why didn't I uh, include what they said about each other when they were given the, the chance. It was easier not to. That could be an honest answer. <laughs> let, let the readers make up the conversation. Mm -hmm. I had as much idea as the readers would in that situation. Mm. What's going to happen is she's going to get the job. So I think the reader is good as, could do that job as well as I could. I mean, that's probably an, an honest answer. Yeah. So why use up space and time <laughs> uh, by in, inventing a, a few paragraphs there? And the other question, I think it was, oh, Lawrence, yeah, about, about Tom. I always saw it as the story about the two girls. Tom, in a sense, is a, is a vehicle to bring them together. And yeah, I did develop him a bit as a character, but I didn't want it to be about him. So that's why I didn't develop him anymore. But he's the one who brings this, these two strands of 
trajectories of life in Bogota together just because he's bored. Yeah, and I had to have the, 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 the foreign in there to do it, but I didn't want to give him a backstory and everything. Well, a little bit of backstory, he refers to, to something back home in the States. Whatever, right. But thanks a lot. Yeah, so this is a territory that I think it's always worth exploring mm-hmm. in, here in Colombia. Carolina's comment about him seeing himself as a little god that to me made his action very credible. Like once you said that, I was like, oh, I know that guy. That to me felt more believable than seeing him as just being bored and doing it for that reason. So I don't know that that could be a potential direction to go with with that character. But when she said that, it made a lot of sense to me. There was a time when I went to a lot of interviews and, you know, and in one interview I ended up dancing, you know. <laughs> they asked me, what do you like to do? And, okay, I like to dance. So, okay, show me. I mean, for me. What kind of job? Was was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was much younger back then, but, you know, it shows what kind of attitude a lot of these people have. And you don't know what their criteria is. As well, I just went through a bunch of job interviews and I was never quite sure how, if what you said was going to be, whether they're looking for a specific answer and they were just waiting, all they heard was blah, 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 ding, there we go. Or whether they were actually listening to what you were saying. You know, sometimes it's 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 almost a crapshoot. Right? Uh, in the United States, when I, I lived there and I interviewed there for a company and, and they, uh, the guy was talking all the time. I mean, I, like, I got to say like, three sentences, and then he was just talking, you know, about the company. <laughs> it's crazy. Peter, you've been here, lived here, you know, a long time, You're writing about all of the various dynamics and aspects of the social life here and all the different characters and classes. You know, if you think about the kind of work that Balzac did, it wanted to convey the entire scope of French society at a particular point in time in minute detail and I think this could be a similar sort of magnum opus kind of approach. It'd be dangerous to start talking about Colombia just if you had a bubble expat life. I'm not yeah. saying someone who's linked to the yeah. embassy or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> a bubble life, but now I'm very aware of that. You've got to try and see the whole of all levels of life. You mentioned Balzac, yeah. so there is a quote that you, you've got to search all levels of life to be able to write yeah. fiction. I'm not saying I'm going to the deep south of Bogota every weekend, but <laughs> But just um, writing the Transmillennium, you see, you see all yeah. a big swath of the people who live here. Where I go, I'm happy to go on public transport, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't. So yep. I feel, in a sense, I've uh, more right to talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as a, as a foreigner, you'll, you'll have that van- advantage of being the observer. You're not brought up into these things, or so you have a little bit of distance mm-hmm. to be able to observe things, and hopefully that adds to the, the picture. I, yeah, I just think it's a very rich tapestry, all those little details that connect and weave those human stories. That was what, what tweaked for me. There's one thing no one mentioned, but I think it's important, especially at this time of year, is, is the, the sudden thunderstorm. That right. Is, <laughs> I, I put that in, it's not essential to the... Like it's, it's part of the story, because it affects them getting late, that makes yeah. them late. yeah. That is like a real slight part of Bogota life. And it can mess with their crimping and their primping and their makeup and <laughs> yes. their wet shoes. And, you know, you do you put your best best face forward and then it rains and then, you know, there's... Yeah, so it's yeah. a kind of leveler. We're yeah. talking about social differences and it was a kind of leveler, leveler yeah. in this story. Yeah. Excellent. Well, by the sound of the bell, thank you very much, James. We have wrapped up another episode of the Bogota Writers Group podcast. 
If you've liked what you've heard and you'd like to read more, you can check us out on Amazon with the collection Voices of Bogota, which is now in its second printing. And if you want to learn more about us or possibly join, be sure to look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or post comments for abuse, hurl invectives, and all kinds of other things. My name is Delaney Turner. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again in two weeks. You're listening to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast.